Hi everyone, my name's Troy McClure, and you may know me from such films as Paint Chips, Delicious But Deadly. Um, but actually, this is Causal Islands Podcast Episode 2, or the audio version of Podcasts Live in Discord that we experiment with because Twitter spaces are icky. Uh, today, uh, in Episode 2, uh, we are going to be talking with uh, Strange Loop founder Alex Miller, and all of the papers we love founders, uh, along with our usual Causal Islands co-host, uh, aside from myself, Boris Mann from Fission, is Zishan, who is enmeshed in all of this stuff. So I will mostly <laughs> hand it over to Zishan and, um, and ask noob questions, because this is going to be my first year at Strange Loop and Papers We Love, and I'm super excited. Take it away, Zishan. Yeah, all right. Yeah, cool. First... First year of, uh, I, I, I say last year, which is, <laughs> this is an interesting thing we'll talk about. Um, uh, Boris, before uh, we get into some questions and stuff, uh, yeah, I guess people can, can ask things uh, as quickly as you want as we go here. So, uh, you know, just raise your hand and we'll make sure you get uh, a chance to speak and ask questions as people join up. Um, yeah, hello, everybody. Uh, hello, uh, you know, really, uh, I'm really excited to have uh, the papers we love uh, crew here, the of people that you know I've known for way way too long, and then Alex Miller, who now I feel like I've known for <laughs> for a long time as well. Um, so I think maybe you know uh, to start things off, I think this would be good. Is and I'll point to Alex first here. Uh, maybe a little bit of history of Strange Loop, and then we can do a little bit on PWL and then how these things all kind of met together. Uh, so Alex, do you want to give us a little bit of the uh, how we got here? Sure. Hello. Um, yeah. So, uh, strange loop. I'll, I'll try. I'll try to give you the the medium description. <laughs> so not the short or the long, but in the middle. Um, right. I uh, had gotten interested in functional programming and dynamic languages and um, NoSQL databases and things like that. There were not a lot of great places. Well, there were a lot of very fragmented places in St. Louis to talk about that stuff. And I kind of pulled them all together into one uh, big tent group called Lambda Lounge. Um, and it was like regularly 50 to 100 people meeting every month. And so I was like, well, this seems like it could be a conference. And there's no like cool conference in St. Louis. And why doesn't everybody come to my town and have a conference? So. Um, so that was kind of the the uh, the spark of starting a conference. I thought I can surely get together 150 people to come talk about software for two days or something like that. And, and what was the first year of Strange Loop? Uh, 2009 was the first year. 2009, right? And so, uh, how many people did you have that first year? If you remember. So, uh, my I planned for 150, and I had 300. Um, so. Clearly, there was interest. <laughs> yeah, and then what? At the at the most, you've had now over over two thousand. Yeah, I think twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Those were kind of the peak years, and there was, I think, our max was probably somewhere around twenty two hundred or twenty three hundred, something like that. I yeah. I had that, that, I had no idea. Success. I thought I thought I was heading into a cozy little two hundred and fifty person conference. <laughs> No, we'll be seventeen hundred this year. So, yeah, um, that's yeah. 
I, I think that's that's showcasing of, of success. And you know, I, I obviously we'll we'll get more into general conference stuff. Um, uh, I guess uh, just to maybe a little intro. Uh, I'll let I'll let like David or Darren do it since I'm kind of co-hosting. Though I can jump in. Um, so I think there's obviously an interesting mesh and combination of when papers we love. We started doing the conference with Stranger, but I think it was 2016 the first time. But but Darren or David, do you do you all want to give the first uh, like a little intro to papers we love? Uh, so it was myself and Darren and Zishan and a number of other people uh, were at uh, a small agent, uh, web development agency in New York City in it was twenty twenty. 14, I think it was or 2013, 2014, in that range, uh, trying to do an internal papers reading group. And if anyone's ever done that at a small company, you know that it's hard to maintain uh, interest in when you have like, you know, 30, 35 different developers, all of whom, um, uh, you know, have various, you know, day job, you know, they're working for the actual company, they don't necessarily have a chance to sneak out and read the papers as well. Uh, so we did a couple internally. They were you know, sparsely attended. People wanted to be able to join, but didn't have time. Uh, and so a decision was made. Well, what if we tried to open this up to the larger developer development community in New York City at the time? See if we can get a little more critical volume, critical mass uh, by doing it that way. Our very first one was hosted at a um, uh, was what was the what was that company name? Uh, Viggle. At Viggle, oh. yeah, at, yeah. At Viggle's offices, Viggle. which is a, which is a uh, sort of sister company of the parent company that owned the very complicated corporate structure. Don't need to get into that. Uh, and we had Michael Bernstein do a talk on um, on uh, was it the Unified Theory Garbage Collection? I seem to recall correctly. Yep, was that's that, right. Yeah, right. Unified. Yeah, Michael Bernstein, uh, whose name will come up, I think, throughout these histories. Um, and was on the first pot, the first episode of this podcast last week. Um, yep, on the first podcast, and then things kind of took off from there. Uh, oh, I think within a month, we had uh, uh, some folks in uh, San Francisco reach out and said, "We want to do this too." Uh, launching papers we love two t o o, and then other places started reaching out and saying, "Hey, we want to host one locally. Can we do that?" And we said, "I guess so." And from there, uh, an international movement was born. <laughs> yeah, and we and had if about... I add just a little bit of color, uh, uh, if I remember right, there were some very early conversations before the first New York City meetup. Uh, I know, I know, uh, Zeeshan and Darren, you were there at uh, a Closure West event. Uh, I think maybe in 2012, if I'm getting the year right, when you, you were first noodling the idea of having sort of like a uh, you know collaborative space for people to share. Uh, interesting research and papers they were, uh, you know, implementing or fascinated by or inspired by. And so that's a that's a little little footnote that I remember that ties it into some of the conference work that Alex has done over the years, for sure. Well, that was after. So that was actually so that was after our first meetup in New York. Oh, was it? And we okay. were we were at Closure West and that's when the San Francisco Cats yep. did their first meetup, and we have we got to go to their first meetup because we were in San Francisco for Closure West. Got yeah, it. Got it. it was uh, wonderfully yeah. serendipitous. Yeah, yeah, that's really amazing. And, and yeah, I think at at the highest point, uh, to highest points with numbers, I think we had 30, 30 plus ish chapters at one point. Kind of normally having meetups in a month, and this is obviously a time to like the Lambda Lounge stuff. Alex mentioned like the days where. 
you know, meetup.com was like, everybody was joining meetup for various things. I was just telling somebody here at Carnegie Mellon about meetup.com and they were like, what is that? Um, so maybe that's, I don't know if that, if this showcase how things were different at a different time. It's certainly a shell of its former self now. That's, uh, that's easy to say. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a pretty good history on things. Um, you know, I think uh, one thing I'll speak for myself, obviously, yeah, Closure West was the beginning and actually one of the talks that I think really hinted toward um, where we wanted, you know, and, and, you know, I started going to Strange Loop and stuff as well. But one of the talks at Closure West that I remember that kind of really fit, you know, the, the Papers You Love mindset as well uh, was uh, Alex. You, you had uh, John Hughes, I think, keynote that Closure West of that year, that year that we went. And, you know, uh, even though it was a Closure conference, you had this, you know, person, John Hughes, who was not necessarily affiliated with this language, but talking about quick check and papers and, and all, these, uh, all these really awesome things, talking about it from a much, um, from, I guess, like a higher abstract level of this work and how people use stuff. And obviously he was talking a lot about the Erlang quick check stuff that he was working on at the time. Um, how, like, in going from, I mean, you already had Strange Loop by that point, but I guess the question I have for Alex here as far as how did you see Strange Loop? How have you, how did you begin to morph Strange Loop from kind of its early Lambda Lounge days into like what it became in 2017, 18 when it got really big and then to now? Like, how did you, how did things get, kind of change? Because obviously, from a speaker's perspective, it really did. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the Dirty Seekers, it's always been what I'm interested in. <laughs> so, plus uh, maybe a few additional things to make it a little more mar broadly marketable. Um, but but really the, the bulk of it has been um, topics that I was interested in and um, and I, I didn't really try to work too hard to get outside of that. It seemed like there were enough people that were interested in that. <laughs> But definitely programming languages and databases were some were both things that I was involved in, interested in, talking about a lot when it started. And it was also just a unique time in the industry when people had open minds more so than they did before or after. Um, and so that I think that's the reason it had resonance at the time. Uh, and then I think we've added topics that seem like but like we've tried to continue talking about topics that are sort of edge topics. Um, so, you know, I think we've added more security content, more AI content, things like that over time. Can, can you, uh, I think labeling those as edge is interesting. And I also, you, you kind of uh, glossed over the, the um, ways to make it marketable. Uh, can you maybe expand on that a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, initially I I had this feeder audience in Lambda Lounge, so I knew there was an audience <laughs> like I knew 150 people who were who were in the market for uh content around uh emerging languages and databases. So, uh I knew that that was at least a big enough market to have a conference on. Um so I think that's the core of it. <laughs> but uh... right, so so being marketable was really just like know your audience. You're like, oh yeah, there's a bunch. There's 150 
super interested people in this. So probably there's n times 150 that if we put it on, we'll come on out. Yep. And I and I, that was born that was born out. I think. I mean, and I'm sure that you feel this pain uh, very closely right now. But I've launched three conferences and um, and helped out with uh, several more. And uh, the first year you do a conference, you have to over communicate ten. Literally, you have to tell everybody about it ten times more than you think you should have to. Um, you guys just having launched this, I'm sure feel that immediately. But <laughs> um, that first one is hard, and and I, the way that I marketed it, um, I mean, this was the heyday of the early Twitter, I would say, and so right. I did a lot of that, right. and I did a lot of actually traveling to user groups within a 300 mile radius and talking, and then doing a little spiel about Strange Loop at the end. Um, and those are the two things that I did to market it, really. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. I, it's very uh, interesting yeah. that you had the, the, the Lambda Lounge feeder there of like, I know there's at least 150 people within driving distance who come to a thing regularly. I can at least bank on them right. showing up, probably. Yeah. Super useful. And then my yeah, other big conference say. advice is when you when you make a new conference is that the first one really has to, uh, like a primary goal has to be that you're alive to do another one after that. <laughs> so, and I didn't really have that knowledge when I did the Strange Loop, which was the first conference I ever worked on. It, that became much clearer later on. But, um, and I was really, uh, I managed to do that uh, purely by luck and accident the first year. Uh, and if I had made some different choices, it might have, you know, I might have ended up in a much different place and never done another another conference. But it was more mostly accidental. But uh, it's important. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one thing I think about and this is, you know, also speaking a little bit from papers we love, and you know, not not to such. There's a lot of other fields, and obviously, I think distributed systems you mentioned, databases came really close. But it seemed like. And particularly the first years I went to StrangeZoop and, you know, where, where I think we started in Papers We Love, again, trying to do a reading group and then putting that through New York, was, you know, we were also really in the programming languages. I remember 2012, I think 2012, StrangeZoop, you, you had the Emerging Languages uh, workshop, right? I think that was 2012. Um, it was two years. I think it was 11 and 12. But I, I, 11 and 12, I yeah. That's right. And then the, the one I went to that I remember was, I mean, it was, it was like, it was crazy. It was like Jeremy Oshkinash. It was uh, nuts, talking yeah. Talking about CoffeeScript. Yeah, it was David Herman on Rust. It was like, yeah, <laughs> Rust even now. And, and really, I had nothing to do with that other than creating the space where it could happen. It was really, you know, primarily organized by Alex Payne, uh, who right. was Twitter at the time, and and other good folks. Um, and I, I didn't plan, I didn't get the speakers. I didn't run it. I didn't plan it. All I did was, uh, incubate it <laughs> as an idea. And, uh, that's something that we have done throughout the life of the conference. And it's been, it's always been a really nice thing. And that's how I got into the papers we love thing. You know, is <laughs> I hear people pop up somewhere and say, it'd be cool if there was a, you know, a place where 50 people could talk about this weird niche thing. And I'm like, oh, that's adjacent to Strange Loop. I think people will come out for that. So, <laughs> and, and it, uh, those pre-conference events almost always are. I mean, I, they've been run in a bunch of different financial 
models from sort of a completely independent model to uh, sort of a uh, integrated model like we've done with uh, papers we love to right. ones where I really sort of took care of all of the financial aspects of it. Um, and I've never, I don't think I've ever made any money on any of those. <laughs> so it, it's uh, that I didn't, that, you know, that's not why we did it. it. It's, it's really about getting the right people together and um, around interesting ideas. And that's the most important part of it. It's more important than the talks even. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think a big part, I mean, even though I, I think in Papers We Love, we touted a lot about uh, bridging academia and industry, and we brought in a lot of academic speakers, you know, particularly at the conferences. Um, but, it, you know, for me, you know, Strange Loop was the fir my, my first kind of exposure to people from academia talking about crazy language things, for example, like I think... Um, uh, when you had, uh, you know, you had Will Byrd and, and Dan Friedman uh, generating programs in Racket. Um, that, that was a member of one of the earlier when I went. And so, it's, yeah, to me, it was like that That actually really inspired a lot of the Papers We Love stuff because we were seeing, because there was two ways. You know, I think when we started Papers We Love, it was about people in industry getting, getting kind of getting guided up through papers and through themes and research. Um, and then it was like, oh, actually, academics actually want to talk about other work, referential work, or work that inspired them, and they want to have that. They want to have that opportunity. And so you had both the I'm an industry person who came across these papers that changed that changed the way I thought about things, that changed how I built something, and then you had you know academics who were like, I really want to tell you in more detail to this different kind of audience that I don't get to to typically speak to about why I think my work or work that has influenced me is actually important. Right. And so that's kind of how it seems like the synergy, the, the synergy of these things kind of came to be. Right. Um, and you were already kind of doing that as strange, but I think is pretty, was, was new to me uh, for sure. Uh, you know, had been in school for other stuff, but never computer science. Yeah. That was always the goal from the beginning was to bring together people who are in industry and people who are in academia, both who I was talking to on Twitter, but, you know, lived in very different worlds. <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought having them talk together would probably be useful in both directions. <laughs> um, and pl plus an additional sort of dollop of uh, things that were inspiring, weird, arty, humanities, that kind of stuff. Uh, on top to, to me is an interesting, that's what makes an interesting conference. And that's, so that's why Strange Loop is like that. <laughs> it's one thing we've talked about a lot in yeah. the Papers You Love sphere as well of sort of what, what drives a lot of our, or us, us, us as organizers, easy for me to say, uh, to sort of be interested in computer science papers and do this work. Because I think of all the four of us on this call, anyway, from paper from papers, None of us have CS backgrounds. Uh, I don't think I think that's correct, Darren. I know you you have a master's in sculpture. Zishan, you went to film school. Uh, I just have an undergrad in English. Uh, I think that's correct for everybody. Uh, I mean, we didn't say Chaz. Yeah, but I don't actually Chaz. remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a degenerate dropout. Oh, there you honestly. go. Yeah, none yeah, of us nice. have any CS backgrounds, and yet we're here working on like, you know, we're working in industry, and then our. I think there's a it's it's probably too strong to call it. Um, uh, 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 why well, can't think of the name for imposters? It's too strong to call it imposter syndrome, probably. But I think there's a big interest in feeling that 
you know, oh, we do this stuff with, you know, tools and jam together libraries and all that. But like, you can feel the ocean beneath your feet. And you want to understand more the roots of what you do as a, as a for your day job type of thing that it drives, I think, a lot of, at least my interest in computer science papers. I don't know if there's a question in there. I think it was more of a, more of a comment. <laughs> well, of course, I, 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 think one, I, I think there's a piece here definitely about credentialism and some of the discussion around academics versus non-academics and, and in general, um, not the phrase, I could never understand that, but kind of like, could I understand mm -hmm. that? Question mark. Um, because the path really has been thought of um, as, as well, you need to go to computer science to understand these things. I have a computer science degree, but I am usually the less technical person because I went down a path of talking to humans and doing producty stuff and community and events and, and, and other things like that. And I also went to school in the mid nineties where you could graduate with a computer science degree without knowing how to program. Right, yeah, back when it was more of an EV it, thing, right? Almost. It, it, it was, well, well, this was some of the challenge. This was the, I was there right at the, at the, at the turn of that, um, where, where programming, like most of computer science was mm -hmm. algorithms. And that was the work we did, but we ended up in the in the early foothills of like learning OO design patterns. Uh, I ha I had a software engineering emphasis, um, so I ended up doing a bunch of programming. But I graduated with people who didn't. Uh, and then in industry, and this is like the foothills of Web 1.0 or the the peak of it, uh, was a bunch of people who didn't have programming backgrounds, like EEs, where we're like, but you don't know the algorithms, but everybody just slammed together whatever they could because the demand there was to build things. Um, um, and of course, at some point you want to bring the academic theory back around to people who are like, okay, but this is not a Python toy algorithm. This is what the limitations are of this in the field. And I think it's really important to bring those things together. Right. Going from ad hoc knowledge to something with more of a foundation in uh, knowledge of what the actual physical limitations, like what the information theoretic limitations of your systems are, as opposed to just merely, well, this library does X, Y, Z in this, in this time span type of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, um, uh, you know, the, the, the theory of, um, oh, log right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then the like, okay, but can we actually write code that does this given the limitations of databases bandwidth? Uh, processing power, etc. Yeah, um, I was going to say to that too. I think um, you know one thing that Alex mentioned as well. I mean, uh, we talk about the the academic computer science part, but the weird part uh, is something I, we also try to keep in papers we love, or you know, look at fields that don't get um, as much um, broadcast, I guess, over you know more of the the typical things or what people get into. Uh, you know, uh, Chad's always, you know, when we're curating papers, we love stuff. Chad's is always like, yeah, but, you know, like try to focus on something different, different even from the computing aspects. Right. So that's where we brought in like people who've done music analysis stuff for other stuff. And even people from fields that are not academic who have somehow, you know, mashed together a bunch of different ideas and a bunch of different themes to uh, put something together that's really unique. And, you know, Strange Loop always have those great, 
you know, talks with, you know, had, had like live performances, uh, <laughs> you know, things about audio, things about visualization, um, uh, and, and various forms of things. That's something that I, you know, I, you know, I think also not having, for papers I love people, at least maybe not having computer science backgrounds per, per se, we're also really interested in like, what are the other mixes of things from people from different, um, uh, different groups and different sets of work, right? Um, I think is really important. I don't know if you're gonna say something, Chaz, to that. Say that out loud, I, uh, like, uh, like, oh, go, go ahead, Chaz. No, I, I was just gonna say in terms of uh, towards what Zishan was saying about the, um, you know, to a certain extent, emphasizing interdisciplinary touch point of computing yeah. and the technologies that we use. Um, you know, as 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 Zishan was saying, I'm I'm often sort of uh, you know knocking around, sort of agitating about, you know, uh, you know, logic programming is great and distributed systems are great. And I love all these things for what they are. But uh, uh, there's and you see this coming more to the fore with uh, the you know obvious impacts and influence that like artificial intelligence and the uh, uh, training regimes that go into those sorts of systems and what uh, the outcomes of those imply to, you know, access to those technologies and, uh, you know, implicit and inherent bias because of uh, different training sets, et cetera. So there's all, all kinds of uh, uh, different tendrils that you uh, uh, can explore about how technology interfaces with you know, sociological factors, yes. uh, uh, public policy, uh, you know, uh, uh, legal and uh, sort of extra legal uh, factors about uh, the impact of uh, different technologies on, uh, you know, civil society and stuff like that. So, and I have to uh, just in terms of <clears throat> tracing back the lineage of where that interest from me comes from, a lot of it is from uh, mm -hmm. uh, my experience with a conference that is now defunct called Theorizing the Web, uh, which had a great uh, run uh, in the same uh, timetable as when uh, uh, Strangeloop was really uh, uh, peaking, I would say, in terms of its, um, uh, you know, reaching out for like the, you know, the, the really out there uh, sort of, you know, avant-garde technologies in sort of the mid-aughts. Uh, theorizing the web was kind of doing the same, uh, but uh, reaching towards where those interconnections uh, uh, lie between technology, sociology, you know, effects on communities, public policy, uh, uh, privacy, and all that, and the, all those sorts of topics was run by a couple of people that did uh, like a staff uh, sociologist for um, uh, Snapchat. Uh, and around a lot of the first waves of the uh, controversies around uh, Facebook and the impacts that uh, social networking and social media had on, uh, you know, society, families, teenagers, et cetera. And so that community really focused on, you know, where those seams lie between technology and sort of everything else, if you want to, you know, demarcate things that way. And I always wanted to try and bring that uh, over as much as possible into the more technologically rooted communities that I was in, just because very often there's a uh, uh, there's an absence of even awareness of the non-technical impacts uh, mm. of the things that we work on uh, when a lot of the focus is just on 
you know, solving interesting problems, uh, you know, uh, you know, building worthwhile companies, having good working environments, but there's, you know, this generally a pretty vast expanse of relatively unexplored territory, at least within, you know, what is generally, you know, generally constructed as, uh, you know, a tech conference, quote unquote. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, uh, I helped uh, found a conference in Vancouver called uh, Polyglot Conf. Um, and uh, part of the, 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 the theme of it was sort of uh, the, the programming language wars are over. Um, and we should come together and we have lots of like shared needs and challenges and we should talk about that. Um, and very quickly, um, it was done on conference style and very quickly, basically, um, as of year two, many of the technologists from uh, the regional area who came wanted to talk about non-programming topics. And Chaz, you, you talked about some of them right away, the, the like, how do we work better as teams? How does that work? And so on. Um, and I think the inevitable conclusion is if you keep going, of course, um, you stop, stop talking about the telephone uh, as technology and you say, what does it enable? And the same thing here. And so maybe always the open question, what are, what is the good parts and the bad parts of this cool new thing that you're doing, um, of how it touches humans generally? Yeah. And there's, uh, there are one of the most memorable, uh, talks I went to at that conference, theorizing the web, I think it was in 2014, uh, was one that addressed the nomenclature that is often used within tech communities about things being magic. Um, and, you know, and, and that kind of, uh, you know, going back even to, uh, you know, the dragon book and, uh, you know, um, uh, SICP and wizardry and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of semiotics rolled into how technologists relate to, to, to technology and thereby how uh, uh, non-technologist lay people relate to both what we do and ourselves as a community. And you see this come up all the time in terms of the sort of uh, lionization of, uh, you know, the most, you know, financially successful technologists as, you know, not just titans of industry, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, genius scientists and things like that, and the kind of uh, uh, credibility and social currency that flows from that in terms of uh, uh, giving them uh, leeway to, you know, spread influence way past their, uh, uh, you know, stated and, you know, historical areas of expertise. So we we should probably reel back from the from the uh, 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 we could we could spend three hours talking about the ethics of that whole we can do on this topic yeah, for sure for sure probably exactly exactly <laughs> though i think obviously at, at the modern at where we are right this is these are the questions that i'm thinking about a lot i mean i think we all are um that was seen in causal islands as well and i know uh, it's been even, you know, throughout other conferences and even stranger over time, I think some of these questions come into place. One thing I wanted to kind of get to in this too, I mean, I think more people involved in computing uh, is really important. And, you know, one thing I wanted to maybe have Alex at least talk about that I think is really great. And we, we've been big proponents of this for papers we love for a long time, but the, um, 
the 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 opportunity grants that you've done, Alex, like as part of Strange Zoop, uh, which I think is really geared to like you know exposing people, obviously of all different backgrounds and stuff, more toward um, more toward you know a conference like Strange Zoop too, not specific not specific languages, not specific platforms, but much more general computing stuff, much more weird, awesome stuff like. Um, and I know other conferences have this, but I feel like Strange Loop was the one that really took it at a really interesting level and obviously exposed people to a lot of stuff. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about um, when you kind of started, you know, obviously moving toward more opportunity grants and how that kind of whole, uh, um, you know, how, how all that came to be. Sure. Um, so uh, definitely diversity and topics like that were uh not on my mind when I started Strange Loop. So <laughs> it was just, uh, it was uh, a long time ago. I was certainly uh, not as mature as I am now. <laughs> and uh, it just was not a thing that even, I don't remember that even entering my mind, really. Uh, there were no women speakers at the first Strange Loop, um, which I'm embarrassed to, to say, but having looked back through it, that was definitely true. Um, and, but I did have an ever-increasing interest in that. Um, and considered it to be uh, a priority uh, pretty soon after the first one, uh, and that just kind of grew over time. Uh, and I remember clearly my I was spending some you know Saturday morning working through a bunch of Strange Loop stuff, and and I was just going through each speaker, like checking all their stuff on the computer and doing all that stuff. And my daughter was kind of watching me, and she was I don't know probably uh seven or something at the time and she's like what are you doing dad you know like i'm uh i'm looking through verifying all the speaker stuff and she's like why are they all men it's like okay well, that's a pretty good point <laughs> so <laughs> out of the mouths of babes um so uh it, it was something that uh the opportunity grants was a way to um sort of proactively change the ratio of what was happening at the conference and like not just get people that had the the money and the access and the privilege from um you know having been at these big tech companies for a long time and all that but to um allow people to come to the conference that could not do that otherwise and it seemed but once we started to get to a certain size, like it was clear that I could raise money to do that and that I was making enough money that I could support that directly. Um, and so uh, we I can't remember which year we started that. I want to say it was about 2015. Um, and I will also credit uh, Bridget Hillier, who came on to the team Ooh, yeah. Yeah, around awesome. 2014, 2015, uh, around that time frame. Um, and she really, uh, shared this. I, she came to me with this idea and I already had the same idea. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're coming in and we're going to do this. <laughs> like, you know, um, and so we figured it out and, uh, um, there were a couple of the big years there where we had 2000 plus people where we had over 130 people, I think that we brought in on opportunity grants. Um, so that's like 130 that's awesome. tickets and it was travel for a big chunk of those people. So it was hotel and airfare. So that's, it was a lot of money. <laughs> like it was, you know, 40, 
of you know travel and hotel and all that kind of stuff. But that's that's a not a cr crazy amount of money to raise with a conference of that size at the peak, that peak time. So um, it it I mean it worked economically. Um, and then we got involved with Project Alloy, who was trying to do the same thing, but right. kind of a bigger industry scale. And we kind of worked with them for a while. We're not working with them at, at this point, and I'm not really sure what's going on over there right now. Um, but it's just the pandemic was rough in that area. Right. Um, so that kind of broke the to model. Put those a bit. Numbers uh, so we're a little more. Perspective. That's as many people as you expected to have attend your first year, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so the the amazing thing was that what we have seen is that people who come on the grants and I mean it's not obviously everybody but people who come on the grants you know it they come back 2 years later um and they're they are at some company and they convince them to sponsor the conference or to sponsor the opportunity grants or they come back and they're a speaker at the conference which we've had a bunch of times. Um, our one of our keynote speakers here this year, um, Taylor Poindexter, was a grantee uh, many years ago. Um, so, That's awesome. like that kind of you, you see it, you see the sort of it, it takes a two or three years to see the echo, but it was huge and it really it changed it just changed the whole feeling of the conference in terms of who's allowed to be here. Um, so it was a big signal. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I want to, like, now, and I, I mean, one thing, and I've, I've been to other conferences, you know, some specific language ones, of course, and uh, academic ones a lot more now. Um, but for me, you know, when I think of Strange Loop, I think it's, you know, it's like oh, all the, especially, you know, as you said, 2014, 15, going forward, all these aspects uh, to put together a good conference, which is, especially in, for people who are not there, like, really good video and audio the captioning and accessibility stuff, you know, the stuff that, um, you know, white coat captioning and stuff has done and like all the cool, amazing, I mean, it in itself could be a talk, uh, how they do captioning. Um, it's, it's really amazing and a really, obviously a, a really good point. Obviously opportunity grants. Like now it's like, as we move into a world where, you know, people might have to run, you know, who would run the next kind of conference in this way or this kind of general way, or even, Conferences are there, and I think conferences have done pretty well. Bank Bank Con has done a lot of great work as well in the space. I think most conferences have, you know, kind of the underpinnings of all this, but um, I probably hadn't hadn't seen it all come together like it had. Strange Loop, and obviously we took advantage of that stuff uh, when we were doing PWL, or as we've been doing PWL with Strange Loop. Um, but to me, it's like if you're going to run a conference now, you I mean it, obviously it takes some money, of course, but these are all the things that you really need to have and, and think about, right, with accessibility diversity and then what how do you actually make these things happen right instead of just saying it um so yeah i, I guess kudos but also like it, it's kind of amazing that that's the pinnacle what i think of now at least for me well i mean i think we i don't know if it's pinnacle but i, th I think we could do better still but but i think we did oh 100 100 right strangely contributed to the industry moving in a different direction there and so i'm proud of that and i'm proud that some of the things that we were one of the first people to do is now considered sort of table stakes for a lot of cases. So that's good. I mean, I think we've changed, we've moved the expectation window. So that's, I'm happy about that. And the other thing that we did back in that time frame was uh, we consulted with uh, Ash Dryden um, and he put together a list of 
I don't know, 140 suggestions for ways we could, you know, improve the diversity of the conference. And, and Bridget came to me and said, okay, which one, you know, we got this cool like list of things we should do. And, and she said, what, what, what do you think we should do? And I said, well, we should do those. <laughs> and so we attempted to do all of them. Um, I'm not sure that we completely succeeded in all of them, but we, we tried. And I think that was, uh, it was just like, let's just try to really push this and see, you know, if we can take it to a different place, which I think we did. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it, it, and obviously, I think you know, for me at the time, you know, and, and um, you know, seeing it grow over, every year was like really amazing. And I think, you know, obviously, for from the papers we love perspective, I mean, we we essentially took all those things, or even when uh, we were working on Puzzle Islands and Benson knows this and Boris, right? We it was like, here are all these things. Yeah, obviously, we might not have this much sponsorship money or not, but like these are all the things we kind of need to have in place, right? Just to even like be at the level to start thinking about even other new things that we want to do. Um, uh, yeah. And so, I, you know, it, it kind of maybe gets to, I don't know if it's like skipping to ahead and Boris, you can tell me if that's wrong. And I also want to see if anyone in the audience has stuff, but kind of gets to, I think the questions toward like, you know, this is the last strange loop. Um, you know, this is, uh, you know, right now it's the last PWL <laughs> aside right now with, with strange loop for sure. Uh, we're thinking a lot about that. We've been talking a lot about that. Um, where do you, I mean, you know, and this is a little bit of the question, where where do conferences go now? You know, obviously there's hybrid pieces, which I know are uh, very messy. Uh, generally, we've had these conversations before, I think even on the first podcast. Where do you kind of see things moving or what should be, What are where should things move for how we think about conferences, both at the, um, the kind, you know, the you know, the, the format of a conference, like what it has, but also uh, what initiatives should maybe even take place or what would you like to see or for others, for others who would take, take on these, uh, take on these bits. Yeah. I mean, I think the pandemic broke things uh, like it did so many things. Right. And um, I um, think we haven't figured that out yet. And it, we really change the economics of things. Like people are just used to doing things online now. Like that expectation changed um, during the pandemic. Um, I think people's awareness of the climate impact of having hundreds of thousands of people fly to someplace is different yep. now. Yep. Um, and, but then I will also say that I think we, as a society discovered how awesome it is to be with people too, which is completely contrary to both those things. Um, so yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't I, know the answer to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, think, yeah, I have right. some ideas <laughs> and like, I, I think, uh, like I, I, you talked about this a little bit on the, the, your last episode, uh, as a fan, I've listened to all of the episodes of this podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think thinking about distributed things where people can be um, locally present with other people, but not necessarily travel long distances. Yep. Um, like, I think that is an incredibly interesting model and um, one that uh, I actually have worked up uh, multiple extensive budgets on it. I believe it's a, it's like a totally workable model financially 
And it's something that um, is facilitated now by things like movie theaters being able to, uh, you know, host events like this. Um, like there's venues for it. I think a lot of companies now have venues like small theaters or meeting rooms or, you know, things with sufficient AV and, and, and you know, net to do stuff like this. And like, if you're a sponsor, like coming to an event like Strange Loop gets you in front of a lot of people from all over. But if you're interested in, um, if you're, uh, if you're a hybrid company or a local, mostly company, um, a lot of those people are not in your market, you know? So right. like what better sponsor experience could there be than hosting yeah, you're like being the local host for yes, you know the local Strange Loop affiliate or something like that, yeah. uh, and have inviting people into your company. They can see the culture, they can see the environment, they can hang out with people at your company. Like that's a super high contact, high value sponsor experience. Yeah. So if you can have them, then you know, uh, put money in from there as a sponsor. I think they're getting a ton of value out of it for the right people in the right places so like coming up with a way to do that at scale like and you could host talks from anywhere like imagine a conference where imagine a conference that was um that was a, a multi-day thing so you had people show up and give talks from all over on one day and then you had a day off and then you um you had people like you're not going to see all of those talks you might have talks only happen locally but then people vote on what was the most impactful talk you saw and then those people came together and presented you know at a bigger scale to people all over something like yeah. that and then you had another day where it was discussion about that yeah. or something like that i mean like you could come up with something here that i think i think you yeah. could come up with a conference format that leveraged local and leveraged remote for yes. the things they're best at and got something that was cooler out of it. That was big, bigger than either of them at the end of it. Um, so Abs if I were going to go put a lot of energy into making a conference, that's what I would work on. But I, I've decided that I'm, I'm uh, at a point where <laughs> I'm ready to take a break from putting that energy into it. <laughs> so. Alex, well, I, Alex I, I feel you're, you're like, you're like pandering to me at this point where I'm like, yes. Um, I actually want to go. I want to inspire people to go off and do those things, and and yeah. I think like the people like I'm fielding constant questions about why are you not doing strange living anymore, right? So like I, you know, I've been doing it for a long time, and so like I have put on the event that I wanted to put on yes. over and over again for years, and uh, uh, I'm not the only like, and we started talking at the beginning about how putting a conference that you want to see is like that's a great thing if you can find a, an, a market for that like that's great you don't know how to do that better than anything anyone else but you know i'm like an old white guy who's been doing programming for 30 40 years so there are other people in the industry who have other backgrounds contexts environments histories who i think have more you know other relevant and interesting viewpoints other than mine and i would be happy to see those people say things and make a conference and i'm happy to help people make conferences so 
I do this all the time. People come to me and say, could you, you know, help me think through an idea for a conference? I'm happy to do that. I'm not going to, like, for free, I will get on a Zoom with you. And if you're, like, really seriously working on an event and you want some opinions, I'm happy to, like, tell you what I know. And you could take it or leave it. <laughs> we'll, we'll put Alex's um, home phone number in the show notes. So just uh, stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of important things to touch on there, um, uh, to bring back to even some of the things that are happening locally. Um, so I agree with you when you say that the pandemic broke a lot of things. Uh, I've seen it also break regional meetups that look more like the, the papers we love things yeah, that happen everywhere. So we got I, hit hard. I, I just, sure. uh, I just hosted a, a D web Toronto meetup, uh, yesterday um and um uh, and i'm starting it up in vancouver and i feel like i'm starting from scratch of like remember when we used to meet together um but what was really great is some of the people who uh, were out last night uh, actually came to causal islands which was in toronto this year and they said uh, so we're kind of thinking that that was lovely and we think toronto would be good for this so i know you kind of said that you guys wanted to like travel around but we maybe still want to do a causal islands in Toronto. And I'm like, amazing. Yes. This is exactly what I wanted to happen. Um, uh, hence the islands in the name, by the way. Um, and uh, I think we have to try these things. And we're in this still in between period where everything from like reigniting regional, local monthly meetups to playing around with the form of the conference is so important. And at the same time, Alex, like I literally just looked through the about page for strange loop where I'm like, I'm just cut and pasting this entire page. I agree with all of this, uh, you know, traveling for a one day conference, forget it. It should be three days. And I'm sending this around to various people. So I think there's a balance of these things where those of us who have done conferences for a really long time, both need to leave room and uplift other people who want to do new things and then if we have a little more opportunity, we might be the ones who go like, okay, we're gonna, we need to try something to learn, which I think is kind of part of our tech industry or should be more of, um, which also, of course, means that uh, you need to find good partners on the sponsorship side who are like down for, we're going to try something new. Yeah, I, I was going to just add to that because I think... I think, you know, Alex, and, and I know you've said a lot of these things too, Boris, right? Or hit in the right direction. I think, when, you know, when we've thought about it, I've thought about it for sure. I could say the amount of coordination to make it feel, to fit, make it feel, obviously it's like you have local variants, but to make it like still feel like there's a, there's something that attaches as a whole, right? That That coordination seems heavy, particularly in a world now where, a lot of the companies that tend to sponsor have their own conferences, uh, which is, I think, a thing that makes it somewhat difficult. Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, I think that the amount of work to coordinate that um, is really good. I mean, obviously, one thing I've talked a lot about, we've talked a lot, or, uh, even particularly like uh, David and Taz and me too, and Darren, you know, format, you know, presentations, you know, I know, Boris, you brought up, like, what if you had a conference that was, you have the talks actually uh, academic conferences did this particularly around uh you know covid and stuff where you have the talks pre-recorded and then people get together and, t and have q a's and stuff afterward um and you know because we have video and all these things but what what are different formats that people can 
try because I, th- I think if we're gonna do if we're gonna do this kind of remote coordination, this large scale uh, event, which I think is even in some ways more large scale than a large physical event, to get it to feel like again part of the whole. How like, what are the right what are the right kind of formats and things for 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 things to work together? Because you know, academia has tried hybrid. I mean, ha- had to because people have to publish, and it's part of the the working paradigm for a PhD, for example. Um, and and they've done hybrid, but it tends to be where like when I've been on the remote ones, people miss the talk, so they only see the couple they want to see, and there really is that kind of lacking, uh, you know, group group kind of effort to really get along, really really go deep on stuff uh, and still be exposed. I mean, one thing that Strange Loop has done, or even we've tried with with some you know bounds on papers we love is exposing people to different ideas. And what happens a lot in the remote cases, they won't see the talks they don't care about. Um, where you, sometimes you can force them, especially a single track conference or a couple tracks that have to see something that they, that would be very new to them. Right. So, so I, I kind of wonder how we, you know, what are the, what are the options that we, that people can really come to or try out or what, what are things? Yeah. That I, I need to look back a little bit as well. Like the DevOps days model is a different, is another approach to a conference where um, DevOps days, it's almost like a franchise, right? DevOps days, New York, DevOps days, Austin, DevOps days, Milwaukee, you know, it, it's, it's, smaller conferences that are all the same structure, but then run locally, recorded and shared as a, as a sort of full brand. It's like, hey, you know, you, you want to come to see DevOps content over time, you come to your local one, you have a local community, but it's part of a larger movement. Uh, I also think it's always very interesting to me because they are, um, uh, I've been to a couple of those and those have always been sort of fantastic, uh, not just the talks themselves, but also, they do birds and feather stuff, which I have always found uh, really, uh, really great. I, I think there's, yeah, I mean, birds of a feather, like boff. So, like, I have, I have found that the kids today, when I say things like boff or birds of a feather or even unconference. These um, kids today. Tell they look at me. These, at, the youths of the world. <laughs> don't know, they don't know the classic ways these are, of the conference, apparently. This is this is this is for real conversations where I've had like really interesting discussions with folks, and they're like, "Oh, that sounds really interesting. Do you have like some reading that I could do of like what is because I haven't experienced it?" Uh, and I'm like, "Right, right. We have to like keep going and pushing our like principles and experiences forward, right?" So, Alex, for that matter, like that realization of you saying like, "Oh yeah, I should probably focus on this," and then fully executing is amazing. Um, and so how much more can, like, what things do we put forward as a baseline? Um, you know, and is there a divergence of types of conferences, ones that maximize, uh, commercialism and, and paid sponsor slots versus, um, you know, companies that want to put something else together. Yeah. One thing I, I was going to say to the question too, that, um, you know, uh, Darren references idea of like strange of exposing to like radical things like DevOps days is great. Um, and I think it's a really great model. But you know, it's a, it's very much in tune with people who are working jobs in tech, right? And so, I do wonder, you know, like I think of that Dan Friedman Wilbur talk from Strange Loop about like writing, generating racket programs that have like ninety generate ninety nine programs that say I love you. Where is like is, is there room for that? Are you going to get uh, enough people together to be exposed to that those kind of talks or talks about? Uh, you know, uh, like we had Jason Hockman at Papers We Love talking about, you know, beat synthesis and stuff like this. Like, do do are people going to, like, you know, how do, I, I think 
you know, exposing them to that maybe is harder, like that generality, that, that, that kind of radical change or things that you would never expect. That's maybe the hardest part where you can probably do really well with a very confined kind of view on things that really help, you know, people in their current, uh, their current roles, their current positions and where they're trying to go. Right. Maybe, I don't know. I'm kind of throwing that out there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about positioning, right? It's it, DevOps days is, is very good at the thing it does, but maybe the structure could be lifted out and, 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 you know, use around a different topic, I think is certainly, it's not exclusive to, you know, working, working DevOps engineers as much as they would probably hate the term even. There's every, every, every DevOps days has a top, as a, a talk in which someone goes, well, you're not, DevOps is not a job title. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> they, they have those interests too, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, here's how to run Puppet better. Uh, those, sorts of, those sorts of topics always of come up. Anytime you have uh, practitioners working together, you have people who want to talk about what does it mean to do the, what does it mean to do the job? So. Yeah. Uh, but also like uh, I was talking to a, a semi kind of sponsor on things not too long ago and those, those weird, can those weird things without having a lot of precedent can those weird, weird things actually drive enough sponsorship is also <laughs> like, do you sneak them in or do you, you know, that kind of stuff. Cause obviously to do big, bigger things and do a large opportunity grants and to really do that stuff, you have to get that, you have to get that sponsorship and convince companies, right. That again, this is worth it. Right. Um, which I think Alex did really well with Strangeview, but it's always like a hard, uh, hard, a hard thing, I think. Or you have to start more. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, uh, this has been lovely. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to my first Strange Loop and my first uh, papers we love. Um, and, uh, you know, I've definitely, I think a lot of this discussion is, you know, things they are a changing, but at the same time saying, you know, we figured a couple things out and let's inspire a bunch more people to do the more of the good stuff. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, really look forward to collaborating more with you all and, and sending a ton of people to, uh, Alex's zoom room where, uh, a, a thousand conferences will bloom. I hope That's a good tagline. <laughs> yeah and they you know i think i mean as uh, the group of papers are that i would say a huge thank you to alex for for having us be a part of all of that for for five six years now so Woo! just want to just want to call that out well i mean i'll turn that around and say that uh you know when we first started talking like it was clear to me immediately that uh you had a lot of shared uh shared vision that uh, with what I was doing. And so it was not a hard decision. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you have to always walk into these partnerships with uh, optimistic, uh, an optimistic heart and uh, hope that the other party is, is uh, good to work with and executes and does what they say they're going to do and you always have. And so <laughs> that has always been very easy and it's uh, been a, been a no brainer to, to keep working with uh, all of you. And uh, I've really appreciated uh, what you've brought to strange loop over the years and what you've done outside the strange loop. So I'd, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an enthusiastic uh, supporter from that perspective. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>